you have your Bibles, grab those. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4, if you don't, they'll be on the screen. Uh, a couple of things. First of all, yes, I'm wearing a tie. No, don't get used to it. Everything's okay. I'll be back to normal soon. Um, that's number one. Uh, no, number, number two, um, just to kind of bring us up to speed a little bit. Last week we looked at just Zacharias and Elizabeth, John the Baptist, mom and dad, and we kind of talked about hope and kind of hope comes through the promises of God and how it's important to know the full story. And I kind of shared, um, I shared last, last week a little bit about this thing here. Yeah, that's what she wore the first time I saw her. Right there, Tommy, that's tea for Tommy Hilfinger. Um, is what that girl looking good that day she was. Um, uh, unfortunately, she didn't let me keep the bowling shoes she had. But anyways, um, the whole point of that was knowing the full story. Like if I just kind of tell you the story, but knowing the full story of something, how it kind of changes things and how it's so important for us to know the Scriptures, know the Word of God, and knowing the full story of God, how it makes this time we're looking at now so much sweeter. So much sweeter to know that there was a group of people waiting and waiting and waiting. And a group of people who had seemed to have lost hope. But it wasn't that God had forgotten. It wasn't that God was slow. It was that God, and we're going to see today in His timing, comes along and does what only God can do. Offers rescue. Offers rescue. And so uh, Galatians 4 is what we'll be, and we'll, we'll, we'll get there, there shortly um, but just, just thinking about this week, just thinking about Galatians 4, uh, and just looking in the, in the Scriptures, um, and, and as I studied, I just, I just got to thinking about how we've been conditioned, I mean, for as long as, as I can remember from my life, probably even you, that we've just been conditioned to, to earn. I mean, everything in us says that we've got to earn. We've got to earn, and when we, when we do something and we earn something, then we get, and like earning praise and, and affirmation from parents. I mean, if, if you've got kids, it's dad, 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 watch this, dad, dad, hey, dad. Dad, look at this. Dad, check this out. Dad, dad. If they say dad one more time, you know, it's like, yeah, buddy, that's great. What did he do? He, he spit up. It's awesome. Like, the 17, it's great. I mean, it's just, it's, but, but like, it's just, it's, it's, there's a constant, like, like, we're earning, we're working. I mean, earning grades from teachers, earning playing time from coaches, earning attention from people, earning paychecks from employers. And so we learned early on in our life that this, this reality that we've got to earn, that we've got to do. And so our need for earning, I believe, sometimes paralyzes us before God's offer of, of grace and mercy. I believe we look at that and we, we see that and we think that we've got to earn or we've got to do something. And, and we don't know how to just to receive God's free gift of grace. And, and that's the thing about God's grace is it's unmerited favor. Like, like we've done nothing to deserve it. We've done nothing to earn it. And we can bring nothing to the table when it comes to God. Absolutely nothing. And so, so often what happens is we, we suddenly just trade away the gospel because we prefer to work and do and serve God as slaves and not as sons. I'm afraid we don't understand fully the gift of grace. And I know sometimes it's because maybe I don't feel safe just letting him do all the work. Because we live in a day and an age where you, you don't just do that. You can't do that. You've got to, in, in order to get something, you've got to earn it. You've got to work toward it. There, there's something that has to happen like that. Or maybe because when we do work and we do earn and we do do something, there's a semblance of control. And let's be honest, who doesn't like to be in control? Who, who doesn't like to be in the know? I mean, was that not the original sin? You can be like God. You can know. You can have control. 
That's the ploy of the enemy right from the beginning. And so we struggle believing that God would just want us. I believe that there's a struggle there. That he would just freely give. That he would just freely adopt us in. That there would be a gift that's actually free because usually there's strings attached to everything, is there not? In our day and in our age, strings attached to everything. And so I've tried to illustrate this before in the past. I want to try to do it again yet here this morning. I have lost, um, I have lost a uh, ornament for a tree. It's a green, green ball ornament somewhere in a seat, somewhere in the sanctuary. I had had it and I misplaced it. And come on down. Oh, you are the yeah. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. I think it's only right that you just come on, come on down to everybody. Hey. You'll probably never come back now, but come, no, you got to come on up here. You, you are the lucky winner, um, this mor- or whatever you want to call yourself this morning. Uh, because, uh, talking about free gifts, I mean, what be- I mean, it's Christmas time, what's better than to give a free gift, right? Yeah, I, I like to give gifts, but I think it's only right that we, like, share with, ev- or show everybody of the sweetness of the gift that you're about to get. You're, you're nervous, aren't you? You should be. Everybody else is like, thank God it wasn't in my seat. Um... Toilet paper's all I had, so I'll just have to... We, we're not fancy around here, as you can tell. But, um, but yeah, yeah, that's right. Applebee's. We can't sing it in here. It's church. No, I'm joking. Um, maybe. Anyway, anyways, let's back. You, you are no help right now. Um, but, but we got you some stuff, like some shirts. I know you got a guy friend back there. That's your husband. Uh-huh. And it's only best, I mean, like, let's keep going, right? Really, we're just cleaning out the closet. Snakes you get. So, not joking. That, but but then also, like as you're drinking your coffee. Yep, you can rep. That's right. Tell everybody about how that crazy pastor did what he did. Um, and then, then um, reading. I got some books right there. Now, this is a really, really good book for guys. So your husband back there, play the man. It teaches him how to be a godly man. Don't use that against him, but just got you it. can. You're welcome. Uh, and then, but then it gets, it gets better because I think, I think with that, to fill up those cups would be a good, like, Starbucks gift card. And I know it's like Christmas and it's good to share, but, hey, you're the one that won the gift, right? So there's another one. Um, and then oh even, like, Christmas, I mean, Christmas, it's good to eat. Maybe take him out or favorite pastor. <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, it's just, there you go. Awesome. That's it. It's all yours. Awesome. You. Happy Sunday morning. Yeah, but uh, she's like, yeah, no, that's you, keep it, you're good. Uh, oh, yeah, you can have the bag, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm a giver. I even put the toilet paper in there, so like this, the real sad moments this morning, well, you can dab, dab his eyes and stuff, but yeah, good, good call. So, but, that, but that's how gifts work, right? He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, really? I mean, they no, need nothing in return, want nothing in return. We just want to give. We just want you to enjoy. I hope that makes your Christmas a little bit better. But it's like, but no, we, we've, what, I've got to do something to get it. And I, and I think that even creeps in as it pertains to the gospel and the gift that God offers. And so um, I'm, I'm going to ask you to join me this morning one more time as we pray. Uh, and then we'll jump into Galatians 4. F- Father, help us this morning. Help me. Help us hear you. Father, we thank you for the gift that's been given. We've got no strings attached. We, we can do nothing to earn it. 
we don't even deserve it. And so, Father, help us feel the weight and the reality of that this morning. And then, God, through that, let the response be walking in freedom. God, and gladly giving back to you all that you rightfully deserve. Thank you so much. And we pray. Amen. Amen. So Galatians 4, kind of a weird place to be for Christmas, maybe. Um, but, but here in Galatians, we have Paul. He gives us his version uh, of the Christmas story. He, he's going to tell the Christmas story with a little, little spin on it, a little bit different. And, and with it is this, this idea of adoption, heavily embedded within that scripture. And so these scriptures, they're written about 20 years after Jesus was crucified and about 55 years um, 55 years after his birth. And so all of that's important because it lets us know that, that he's writing to a people who were around when Jesus was around, who would have heard the stories, maybe even experienced and saw some of the things that Jesus had did. Uh, it would have been well aware of the crucifixion and the resurrection. They, they would have known and heard, word would have spread, and they would have been very familiar with. And so Paul pins this letter to them, and this is what he says in verse 4. He says, but when the fullness of the time had come, and so I just want to push pause here for a moment because I believe this is just a beautiful, beautiful truth in the Scriptures. When the fullness of time had come, God's timetable, the exact, exact time when God had seen fit, when God on His calendar had circled the day, this was the perfect time, the exact time that God had set forth. When the religious and cultural and political conditions presented themselves in such a way that now the stage was set. His perfect plan was in place. And what happens? Jesus comes into the world. So God had this planned out. It, it wasn't a last minute Hail Mary, fourth quarter, we're down to know. He knew that this day would come. And, and so I don't know where you said this morning, but, but is that, is that, does that not breathe some hope into our heart? Does that not give us some hope and assurance, the fact that, that, that God knew this day, God, God knew that there would be a period of silence, God knew that the world would be in the shape that it's in? And what does he do? He gives and he sends. Perfect timing every time. Never early, never late. Right on time in the expected moment when he so sees fit. And so I don't know where you're at, what season of life you're in, what, what you're going through, what, what battle you're facing, what, what, what's just hitting you right now. But rest assured that God knows and he's aware. Rest assured that God is in the middle of it and that there's a date on his counter circled. For you, for me, for us. And so we have to, we have to be careful when we look at the Christmas story, not to just think of it as this far off thing, this wives' tale or a story just passed down through time. But it's so much more than that. There's great purpose, there's great intentionality, especially from the heart of God. So, as the scripture says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. At the right moment, the right time, God sends his son. And so we just need to talk here because I believe that this is just uh, full of, of great biblical truth, doctrinal truth. And it's one of those huge doctrinal and theological hills that we are willing to die on as, as the people of God. That, that Jesus was born of a virgin. This is a glory unique to the God-man, to Jesus himself. No one has ever come, no one will ever come this way other than Christ so of all the humans that have ever been born, all the humans that will, will be born, there's only one that enters this way. See, Jesus' distinct birth is, is no myth. It's not a fable. It's not a random fact of the gospel. It's a special honor bestowed to the Son of God. A special honor bestowed to God incarnate. 
And there's full significance, there's great significance and meaning in this, that the person of Jesus would reveal himself, that God would reveal Jesus this way, that he would bring him to us. N.T. Wright pins this and says, first century folk knew every bit as well of how babies were produced. And so in Matthew, in his version of the story, Joseph heard about Mary's pregnancy. His problem arose not because he didn't know the fact of life, but because he did. So he was well aware, and especially in this culture and in this day, this woman to become pregnant in this way, it, it, just, it, was, it was not right. It was not good. He struggled with that, but what happens? God shows up and even calms him in that. So, so what's the significance of this virgin birth? Why would God choose to do it this way? Why would God allow it to happen this way? I believe it just one is because it points to the supernatural. See, on one end of Jesus' life is his supernatural conception and birth. And then what happens on the other? On the other end, you have his supernatural resurrection, his supernatural ascension to God's right hand. I believe it's just God showing his glory and his greatness and his goodness and how he does. See, the virgin birth also shows that humanity needs saving that we can't bring about for ourselves. We can't do it. We can't fix it. We can't make it right. We, we, can't, we can't help ourselves. Only God can do that. And so the fact that the human race couldn't produce on their own a redeemer implies that sin and guilt is damning and that the Savior must come from outside of that. As you and I are born of the seed of Adam, Jesus was born of God. See, it's also God's initiative being put on display. God's initiative being put on display. In, in Luke 1.31, the, the angel announces this, Behold, you, shall, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So God acts to save his people from their sin. Shows his initiative, show his, shows his rescuing heart and his plan. And the virgin birth also hints at fully human and fully divine natures that are united in that of Christ. It, it shows us all of that. So Jesus makes his mark on history in the coming in flesh and blood as the anointed one with an extraordinary birth. With an extraordinary birth. So is it important that we believe in the virgin birth? Is it important that we fight for that, that it's a hill to die on? Yes, it's a resounding yes. It, it, it has to happen this way. It, it, God did it this way before his glory and for his honor to show that, that, that Jesus wasn't like us. To show and point to all the more who the Christ really is. And so he appoints it in this particular way. On this particular day. And he chooses Matthew and Luke to pin and record it clearly in their Gospels. And the danger is this, is if we don't believe in. If we don't fight for the doctrine of this. Then it opens up the door to be able to deny anything in the Scriptures. It opens up the door to be able to deny and, and, and doubt and run from any of the biblical truths that we see so plainly pinned for us in the Word. So he goes on, he says this, that this Jesus on this day, at this time that was going to be born, he'd be born under the law, meaning the Mosaic law. Think of commandments, think of laws. Jesus was like man, he was obligated to obey the law. He, he was obligated to, to obey and to live that out. And he goes on in verse 5, it says this, to redeem. Redeem just means to buy back, to purchase. So he, he comes to do what? To redeem, to purchase, to buy back who those who are under the law. That's us, you and me, fallen man. And, and so we have broken the law. We've broken God's standard. We have failed miserably 
over and over and over, there is a law that has been set, a standard that has been put in place. And we woefully fall short. It, it, it reminds me of this time. We were going in for Thanksgiving one year, and as we were going, we were, I mean, we were cruising. You know, like, like you, you got to get in the mode, and you want to get there. Like, I'm not a guy that just enjoys the journey. Like, I want to get to the destination. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, like I'm in the, yeah, I see you. Yeah, I'm saying, man. I, so I'm like, we're, we're cruising, and we're going. And, and, and all of a sudden, like, you look up, and there's, like, taillights. Like, I mean, like, we don't come to a stop. But like, they, they slow way down. I'm thinking, what are they doing? I mean, we're moving good. Everything's going great. And there we go stopping, and it's like this back up now, we're like finally getting, we get through this little section, and when we get to the bridge, I know why they've hit their brakes. Because you have an officer standing on the bridge, like radaring people. I mean, is that not dirty? I mean, honestly, where's the law for that? I mean, but he's standing there on the bridge, and I mean, he's just like, and, and then he would radio down to his little buddy, say, hey, that, that car right there, get that one, the, the red one, this one, that, this, and, and, and you, I mean, you just, I mean, just line police officers like on the, on the get on ramp to just like go get you. And I'm like, is that, that is awful. Why would they do that? But they did that, why? To enforce the law, right? Because there was a law and there was a standard that had been set for that space, that place, that, that area. And so what they're wanting to do is they're wanting to bring safety. They're wanting to protect. They're wanting to make sure uh, everything stays as it should. And so what happens if you get caught? There's a debt that's owed, right? That's how the law works. You, you, you break the law, you get caught, you owe a debt now. There may be a fine, there may be a ticket, a, a number of things that could happen. The same is true for us as created ones. There's been a law and a standard that's been set. And though I didn't get caught that day, the reality is this, for every one of us in this room, as the created, we've been outed. We've been caught we have been caught in our sin. We have been uh, uh, known as lawbreakers. Romans 6.23 says it like this. It says what? The wages of sin is what? Death. So the fine that's due, the, the thing that is earned is, is death. For the wages of sin is, is death. We die. We die physically. Well, we see this all the time. We know this to be true. But then also something else happened in the sin. There was a spiritual death. There's a separation from God. That's another death that, that, that takes place in that sin. And we've all been outed. We, we've all been made known that we've broken the law, that we have rebelled against God, that none of us are good. I mean, we can, we can just play for a moment in the Ten Commandments. Like, we can just play there in, in, in that area, in that realm for just a moment, right? And anybody, and you don't have to raise your hands, but anybody lie? We, anybody ever tell a lie? Yeah. yeah. Probably every one of us in this room. And it's like we like to play that little game. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't really that big of a lie. But a lie's a lie, dude, right? Whether it's big or whether it's small, a lie is a lie, and that goes against God's standard. That goes against His holiness and His righteousness, and we must pay. Anybody ever steal? Please don't raise your hands. We've got security everywhere in here, and it, she's got a lot of cool stuff over here. I'm just saying. Um, and the definition of stealing is taking something that's not yours. Hey, we're all guilty and probably have done that sometime in our life. Well, Scott, those are the little petty ones. Okay, well, let's, let's, get, let's get to some of the bigger ones, maybe, if, if you want to go that route. What about adultery? Ah, okay, yeah, now I've never, yeah, we've never done that. But what happens? Jesus comes along, and does he not just blow that out of the water? And he says, if you look with lust at someone in your heart, then you're guilty of adultery. See, what he wants to do is he wants to crush that glimmer of hope that we think that we can provide and that we can give and that we can make. He wants to crush that. 
He, he wants you to feel the weight of that. He wants you to feel like you can't. Why? Because there's one who can. That's the whole point of it. What about this? It says, do not murder. Have you ever murdered? Well, I've never taken someone's life. Yeah, maybe not physically, but what about in your heart? Because Jesus also says that if you look at your brother with hate in your heart, then you're guilty of murder. So, so when we start to think that we can kind of uh, get around or figure out some of this or we get that, that commandment or, oh, yeah, I can keep something. No, you can't. You can't. That's the whole point of it is that it shows and it proves that we deserve death, that we, that, that we so rightfully are getting what we deserve. You want to talk about what we deserve and what we should inherit and what we should have? That's the reality of, of the condition that we're in. That's what we should have and that's what we should inherit. But thank God he doesn't leave us there. But thank God he doesn't stop and end the story there. And the thing we've got to understand about the law, the law was never given with the intent to save and rescue and redeem. The law was given to point to the one who can the law was given to show and expose us in our great need for that of Jesus. And our salvation is only found in him. And so what I want to do is in the remainder of these scriptures, I want to look at some promises. And the first promise is this. When God redeems, he secures us forever. He never forgets or forsakes his own children. So with Christ, there is eternal security. Uh, verse 5 says this. It says, to redeem those who are under the law. So the cost is great. We need to understand that. The cost is very great. We can never pay. We, we can never give to, to earn or to receive. The only way is him paying the debt. Christ pays the debt. So on that appointed time, when God saw fit, he sends forth his son, Jesus, who will eventually grow to be a, a man who will live a perfect, sinless life, who will go to a, Christ, a cross and pay that debt for us. So he pays the debt for us. He redeems us. He purchases us with his blood. The bill's been paid. The bill has been settled. And the thing I love about the bills is, is that there's no late fees. There's no, we need to go back and recalculate. There's some extra stuff we forgot to put on for a few months back. Like, you remember how bad you really were back in high school? Yeah. We need to tackle it. There's none of that. When Jesus pays the bill, it's satisfied. When we walk in that free gift of salvation through faith in Christ and his redemptive work on the cross, it's satisfied. It's, it's all done away with. Past, present, future, it's gone. It's wiped away. Our bill is eradicated. He goes on to say this. He says, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoptions as sons. And so God gives us so much more than, ah, you're okay, you're forgiven. I mean, I don't think we quite understand what's being said here, this thought of adoption. What Jesus says, what God says is, I want you as my son or daughter. That's what's so spectacular about Christmas is that God gives the greatest gift ever, not just to make us okay, not just to make us right, not just to make us, but because he wants us. He wants us as a son and daughter. That's what he longs for. Relationship is what it is. Love, acceptance, approval, that's what it is. We are sons and daughters of the king. I mean, I don't know what your last name is, and I don't know the, the, the bloodline that you have or what kind of royalty you have in your family, but what I do know is this, as a believer in Christ, as a son and daughter of the king, that's what we are. That's what we get. That's what we've inherited. See, adoption, the beautiful thing about adoption is, is this, is that God knew what he was getting when he purchased us, when he adopts us. Usually what happens in adoption, it comes from a horrific situation, doesn't it? Like, like bad background or bad stuff that happens in someone's life or, or, or from this situation that's tragic or, or whatever the case is. 
And adoption is birthed out of that. Why? Because the parents can't keep or the parents' lives have been taken or it's a horrific home situation or whatever the case is. And something beautiful comes from that. I want us to think of it like that this morning. For us in this room, like, we're not good. Like, it's like, like, we didn't do Jesus a favor when we let him save us. It doesn't even work. I would say that's not even salvation. You don't understand salvation if that's the thought. It doesn't work that way. Like, like he didn't get something good and great. No, he, he got us how at our worst he adopts us and rescues us in that condition. Which brings us to our second promise here in verse 6. We can have intimacy. We can have intimacy with God. We can have a deep, personal, satisfying relationship with the Heavenly Father who knows us thoroughly like no one else knows us, who loves us continually and who promises to protect and provide for us. Look at what verse 6 says. It says this, And because you are sons, God has set forth the Spirit of His Son in your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit. He seals it with the Holy Spirit. The very Spirit of God has given to us, has inhabited our hearts, making us relationally connected to God. Making us relationally connected to God. So far that we can cry out, Abba, Father. That we can cry out, Daddy. We can look at Him in, in, in that way. It's like Jesus in the garden there, about to be arrested, about to be beaten, about to be crucified. Uh, the, the worst thing possible that's about to take place. And what does He cry? He cries out, Father, let this cup pass from me. In that vulnerable moment, what does he do? He turns to dad. He turns to dad and he cries out. We can relate to God as father. We can relate to God as father. And I know that might be difficult in the day and age that we live in. I know that might be, that may be hard to land there. We may have grown up with difficult fathers or, or hard fathers or, or fathers that's never treated us this way or, or acted this way to us or, or, or been this way as, as God is with us as a loving, gracious, heavenly father. And that may be something difficult to stomach, something difficult to understand or get our hearts around. And maybe that's even a reason why we've been skeptical for so long or we've struggled so long with, with relationship with God. I, I don't know what it's like, but, but I, just need, I need to tell you something this morning. As a guy that grew up with a good dad, a loving dad, a great dad. As a guy, whenever I hear God as the father, it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't frustrate, it doesn't aggravate, it doesn't, it, it doesn't irritate. And, and no probably hearts, maybe even in this room, that it does. And as good as my dad was, he's a bum compared to God as father. And as good as I try to be as a dad to my three little boys, I am a bum when it compares to God as father. I fall woefully short. The way that I love, the way that I forgive, the way that I, that I care for, the way that I protect, the way that I go, woefully short as it pertains to God as father. And so I just want to say that to say this. Try to work through that. Move, move past that. Because as maybe horrific or as bad as dad was here on planet earth, and don't put that on God. Because he's nowhere near. Nowhere near. And what this shows is intimacy. What this shows is relationship. What this shows is love and care for. That's what this shows. It's this image of God as father. We can cry out to, we can run to at any time and he's there. He's going to guard, protect, and care for. And this is how Paul's recalling the Christmas story. Uh, this is how it's showing itself through the Apostle Paul. 
Which brings us to our third promise here in verse 7. That we become heirs of all things. That we become an heir of all things. Verse 7 says this, Therefore, as a result of all that Paul had just said, all that he had just worked through, all that he had just mentioned and told the believers there at Galatia, as a result of that, God is about to make a promise that you're going, you're going to take note of. Like, you don't want to miss this. He says, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. Or a daughter. You're no longer a slave. What, what do we know about slaves? Slaves just follow the rules. Slaves just do what they're told. There's no input. There's no relationship. There's no knowing the heart of. There's no care for. You're just, you're there for a purpose. And the purpose is usually to make the, the slave owner happy or satisfied or bring, bring a gain to or do, do whatever the case is. And what Paul says is that we're no longer slaves, but we are sons and daughters. And so what Christmas is about is about moving past this slave mentality and seeing God differently. Understanding with greater depth of who God is and what he has done through Jesus. See, there is implanted in us as believers a sense of freedom. Like you and I, we have freedom today. We have freedom. Like, like you, you get that, right? Like, like it's not about following rules. It's about having relationship. It's not about the do's and the don'ts. It's about walking with the Father. It's about knowing his heart. It's about, it's about caring relationship. That's what it's about. And as a result of that relationship, yeah, the, yeah, the law is going to be lived out in my life. Looking at the commandments doesn't bother me. It doesn't offend me. It doesn't tick me off. It doesn't make me mad. It doesn't, oh, you mean to tell me I can't have, I, I can't have an affair? Adultery? What, are you kidding me? Or, or I can't lie? I can't steal? Are, are you serious? It's not I, I look at those things or the do's. No, no, I look at the Father, and as I focus on the Father and walk with the Father, those things are naturally producing me. Well, why would I want to do that with someone else? Well, why would I want to take what's not mine? It's obvious God's got a reason for me not having it, so I don't need it in my life right now. Why do I want to take from? Why do I want to covet? Why do I, why do I want to worship something that, that's other than God? And bow my heart down to that. Because as I walk with Him, as I get to know Him, man, man, there is fullness of joy that is found in that relationship. And there is completeness and there is wholeness. Why? Because I've understood and I know and I've seen myself for who I am and what He's done for me. Knowing that He knows best for me. God is not a killjoy. God's not there to rob us of anything, but to, but to graciously grant and give us. And so his standard of holiness is to point us to him all the more. It's to remind us of his goodness and faithfulness. To, to remind us there was a way that he set things up to be. And then sin enters the world. That's what he's doing. And so he goes on and he says this, and if you're a son or a daughter, then an heir of God through Christ and what that means is simply this, is that when he uses the word heir, it means that we have access to all that God has. I mean, have you thought about that? Like right now, right now at my dad's house, there's a coat on the door. There's a lock that's on the door. There's a key somewhere. And I've got the code for that. And I can go in and out anytime I want to. Well, because he's my dad. I'm his son. What he has, he'll let me use anytime I want to use it. What he has, he'll, he'll graciously give it to me. And, and me as a dad, I'm the same with my boys. I mean, anytime that, yes, I would love, I would love nothing more than to. And, and church, that's, that's what we have. That's what we have this morning. We have access to at any moment, at any time. 
Now, there may be times where he says no because motive might be wrong, heart might be wrong, timing might not be right. There may be a, a day that he's ah, not right now. But man, we have access to it. And not to mention the future glory that comes with that. Eternity with Christ. That's what we've got. Eternity with God. We will inherit all that he has, all that he is. We will inherit him. And so church, Christmas is about moving past the lie that you are a slave and that you're bound to the rules. And it's about moving into either a relationship or a deeper relationship with the Father. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. So, so we no longer relate to God as the lawgiver, but we relate to him as Father. We no longer look to God through the lenses of, of what we've done, but through the lenses of who we are in him. See, the French poet, he, he, he penned these words to the song that, that we now call O Holy Night. And I believe that he, he nailed it here when he says in the first line, long lay the world in sin and air pining till he appeared. And then what we've probably sang this next line a thousand times, but maybe the significance this morning will dawn on you in a different way. Where he says, and the soul felt its worth. Think about that this morning. And the soul felt its worth. God born in the flesh. And we can feel the worth of the human soul this morning. Because it's so great that he says, I'm going to give my greatest. And let him be a sacrifice for whosoever will believe. Whosoever. That's what he does for us. And now he's father. We are adopted. We can call him daddy. And there is value and worth to us that is found only in Jesus. So as the band comes back up, it just it's reminded me of a story. I can remember years ago, I was on a mission trip to Guatemala, and as, as we go there, we fly, and we're there for a few days, and I just, just, I just noticed this family. There's the, one of the big things that this ministry that we, we, were, we were serving at was, uh, was there's this orphanage. Like, they would go up into the mountains and rescue children on the brink of death. So we would go, and we'd get a love on the kids and play with the kids, and we're there at the orphanage, and, and we're, just, we're just looking looking around, and there's this family, and this family's just broken. And so I pull, like, one of the leaders aside, and I said, what's, what's up with this? What's happening here? What's this story? And, and, and they say, um, well, that family there is in the process of adopting that little guy right there. I said, you're kidding. I'm like, no. I said, that's awesome. And so they said, so, yeah, they'll, they'll come. Uh, they'll come about four or five times a year. It's a very long process, a grueling process, and they'll come about four or five times a year and just, just visit the little guy, or they'll try to make, like, long weekend trips, and just come, they'll come and visit him and just be here. I mean, they can't, cannot wait to get this little guy. They said, but Scott, there's a problem. I said, well, what's the problem? They says, our, our country has just closed adoptions so they can no longer adopt. And I'm like, you're kidding me. How far along in the process? I mean, they, they were miles down the road in the process. I said, no, you're kidding me. No, we're not. But let me tell you what, what, what they're doing. I said, well, what, what are they doing? I mean, like, you, you can't smuggle little guy out of the country. That, that would never end well. Like, no, 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 they're not going to do that. What, what, what they're doing is this, is that they're selling everything that they have. And they're moving here. I said, do what? Yeah, they're giving up everything. If they can't get him and take him back, then what they're going to do, they're going to come to him. And they're going to be with him. And they're going to live here at the compound, on the property, 
And though he may not have the last name, he may not, they don't care. They're coming, they're coming to get their boy and be with him. And so I guess as I think of the story this morning of what Paul says and, and how he explains that Christmas story, I mean, there's just something in us, I think, that just resonates with a story like that. I mean, we cheer on stories. I mean, this is, this is Lifetime movie stuff, y'all. I mean, we'll watch that on repeat. There's just something in us that resonates with that. And, and I believe it's because it's, it's a part of a bigger story. That of Jesus. Because what does God do? He does the same thing, does he not? They can't get to us. So we're going to go to them and make a way. That's what the Christmas story is about. It gives up everything. We think about the gifts, the lights, the trees, the decorations, all that stuff that does nothing for us, but there is a deep longing inside of every heart. And that deep longing inside every heart is relationship with God the Father. And the only way that that is had is through the relationship of Jesus Christ. It's the only way to get there. It's the only way to to have that kind of relationship is through faith in Christ. We're the kids that need to be adopted. Needs to be rescued. And for Paul, when he thinks of the Christmas story, he thinks of being made a son and an heir of all that Christ is. That's what's so beautiful about this story. We can't, so God does. It's impossible for us, but not, not for God. And so he does it the only way that he can. Sending himself to die for us. That's what's so great about Christmas. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know what God stirred in your heart this morning. I don't know what he's revealed to you this morning. I don't know where you're at in your relationship with him. Maybe you are as deep and you are just entrenched in that. Or maybe for the first time, for whatever reason, he's opened up in your heart the reality that you're not and you need to be adopted. And if that's the case, man, come on. Man, you believe and you trust and you walk in that. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're adopted and you're his, but you just haven't been living like you're one of his kids. And so maybe this morning the good gift of conviction is what he's giving you and reminding you. And then all you have to do is repent and run back to. Ask him to break your heart over your sin and run back. And that relationship, oh man, it's made perfect yet again. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know what God stirred in your heart, but man, you be obedient. They're going to lead us this morning in a time of response. If you want to come pray, if you, whatever we can do to serve you in this moment, by all means, let us. Father, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for stories like this. God, maybe not the traditional Christmas story. Maybe a little spin on it. Oh man, but what a sweet story and a reality that follows behind what this time of the year for us means. What about trees and lights? It's about a Savior who came to adopt, to rescue, to redeem, and make us what we could not be, a child of God. God, move this morning in this place. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys stand and respond as God leads.